HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following episode of The Food Scene has been brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink. Learn more about their Get the Ball Rolling fundraiser taking place this Sunday, March 27th at 1 p.m. at Del Posto. Visit their website at mofad.org. That's M-O-F-A-D dot O-R-G. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here today, um, talking in parts with the ladies of the Umami Food and Arts Festival. In studio, we have Amy Gilbert, who is the festival's curator. Terry Hanlon, um, who is a participating video artist with the festival. And the director herself is calling in from Israel. Yale, are you there? Hi. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank, thanks for being on the show. So I just wanted to explain really quickly, uh, I was lucky enough to participate in the Umami Festival uh, last year in 2010. It's actually a biennial um, event, so this year there is not one, next year there is. But this year, uh, actually on Monday, March 28th from 7 to 9, I believe, um, there is a fundraiser. There's the Edible Architecture Gala event happening at the Astor Center. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, supporting future projects of the Umami Festival. So everyone, check it out. UmamiFestival2010.com has a lot of information there. Uh, it is a very interesting and important thing. And quite possibly could have been part of the impetus of why I have this show. Um, yeah, when you invited me to the festival last year, I spoke on a panel with Emily Baltz of Fork and Design, mm-hmm. as well as Jason Wright, who have been on this show, mm-hmm. uh, Corin Hewitt, who amazing food artist, who's also been on this show, um, and I saw how many people out there were walking, you know, working at this cross section of food and art. Why did you start the Umami Festival? 
Um, it's, uh, I'll, I'll try to give the short answer. <laughs> um, partly it's a personal, my sort of odd personal journey with a background in theater on the one hand and culinary arts on the other. And at some point I did a PhD in uh, performance studies and, and I wrote my dissertation on food and national identity. And that's when I realized I, I'd love to bring these two areas of my life together. Uh, and I started teaching at the Nutrition and Food Studies Department at NYU a course on food and performance art. And throughout that course, I kept bringing in artists. And we're so lucky to be in the New York area where there's so many wonderful people that are doing exciting things in, in this realm. So I, I brought a few artists uh, to talk to my students and work with my students. And one of them was a, a composer called Fast Forward uh, that does very interesting things with found sound, started working with kitchen <laughs> sounds to compose music. And from a chat between the two of us, really, the idea of the festival came up. You know, why don't we do this professionally? Why just limit this to students? Why don't we open it up to the public? There's so many people doing exciting work in this area. And, and so that was really the initial impulse uh, uh, for the festival. Excellent. And 2008 was the first of the Umami festivals, correct? Indeed. And we had it at uh, Roulette, which is a wonderful venue for experimental music. Um, and uh, a, a lot of the stuff that we did in that first year was really sound-centered. But uh, then the following, the, the following festival in 2010, um, we kind of ventured in this, you know, we, went, uh, we tried other avenues. We, we looked at other artists that work with food in other ways. And we're trying to expand our base and really bring in more, not just uh, chefs, which we had more of in the first festival, but also producers of food, really people that work with food, um, it, you know, that come into working with food along the, the, the chain, if you will, um, from producers to um, cooks uh, to critics, uh, what have you, uh, really trying to bring them all um, into the conversation. And then artists across a whole spectrum of medium uh terry who's sitting here in studio with us is a video artist um and i was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of her meringue uh <laughs> what is it the meringue diplomacy mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. video and it, it was fascinating because i i myself really loved the the cinematic efforts in I there can. and it kind of uh, felt very akin to one of my favorite directors peter greenaway and how the story was told but it sings of Karem. <laughs> Great. Yeah, and, you know, Great. not many people n know, even with studying culinary uh, food, know who Karem is in the whole spectrum of cooking. Well, uh, that's, that's very interesting to me because, first of all, I'd like to say that it's a huge honor to be able to be the sneak preview at the gala on Monday night. Yeah. And really, this is... Umami is an amazing organization, and for me, this is the ideal launching pad for this project. Um, and it is funny, because when I first started working on this project about 15 years ago, <laughs> uh, pre-internet, Karem was uh, about as arcane and obscure a figure as you could find, which, of course, made me want to yeah. work on the project yeah. all the more. And uh, so I just did a lot of field work going back and forth to Paris. Poor me, you know, <laughs> going to everywhere that, everywhere from the, the street yeah. where his bakery was to his grave and, and, and shooting various aspects of his life. So it's been 
a great joy of my life to work on this. And my background also is in uh, performance art as well as computer graphics. So it's been great to combine those two together. Excellent. And Amy, how did you find such wonders as Terry uh, and other artists that are participating? Uh, You you know, there's a mixture of our seeking artists and, um, but because Umami's in a very unique venue, uh, artists are coming to us. So it's a wonderful opportunity. And um, we are continually getting emails, international emails. It's still thrilling when yeah <laughs> italy france they're coming they want to they want to see what umami's up to and find out how to participate yeah well i mean it's so great to hear because yael mentioning that you know this whole idea was based off of you know uh, food and national identity almost um it may not have initially been but it seems like with these in- international inquiries mm-hmm. it, it really shows itself um what are some of the more for- far-flung places that people have come in for the Umami Festival from? Well, we had a Canadian artist last year, a Californian, yeah. and that doesn't sound too thrilling <laughs> or exciting, although we, we, we were happy Israelis, yeah. yeah. Um, but we also, as we oh, branched we had a Japanese out, artist. Yes, that's right. And then we did a, a film shorts, and we had uh, contributions from France and uh, Singapore, of all places. Um so slowly it's expanding, uh, and then we've we also did an artist's cook slash book show, and so we had um, access to the Franklin Furnace collection, and there were artists from all over the world in that. So it's actually turning into an international festival, Excellent. which is wonderful. But there must be a common thread that you're seeing throughout all these artists and throughout all these people coming to the festival. Um, what might that be? I mean, otherwise there wouldn't be a festival about food and art. Hmm. You know, it's sort of nice, actually, to to divert from that point, is yeah. that there's not a common thread. It's not, um, what we're not doing is, uh, although on some level we're all part of this food movement that's happening right now, but um, the because we're really an art festival, we're open to all sorts of different visions. It's it's not one kind of political theme or one aesthetic about food. It's all o- across the board. And what's exciting for us as an arts festival is to bring that freedom that artists have into the um, the food world and and work with chefs and have a collaboration that expands everybody's dialogue. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I could, uh, I'm sorry. Could, could I just oh, yeah, add a little bit to that? Um, just the one thing that I, uh, um, perhaps is um, common is our wish to to really show what a sort of positive force food can be, what an inspiring thing it can be. We think that ha- that has a great uh, sort of positive, useful message, if you will, yeah. in terms of thinking about food and the the struggles that we have with food sometimes uh, in our society. And, and just by giving that really broad message, by showing all these different artists who work with food in all these, uh, in, in such a variety of ways, the one thing that they do have in common is just showing that, that food can be inspiring, that it can be a force of good. <laughs> so um, so that that might be the one thing that perhaps they do have in common. Yeah, Terry, how do you... Hope marine diplomacy to inspire through food. Well, you know, this conversation is very interesting to me because one of the main trajectories in my story is is the 
power of food in politics. And it's it's something that hasn't really been talked about that much. But um, in my piece, uh, Karem is played by a wonderful performer named Eric Barsness. And Eric not only happens to be a great dancer and choreographer and now an opera singer, but he's also a fabulous chef. So I'm finding in my characters this continuity of time that runs through. And uh, Jacques Becard is uh, plays Talleyrand. Um, Karem cooked for Talleyrand, and Karem created the stage for Talleyrand to do his great political machinations and, and negotiations. So all this is, it's all part of the story, and that's what makes it interesting to me, is that it these people who created these meals weren't just cooking in the background. They were creating a stage for all this incredible political activity yeah. to occur on. Although, we, in a way, you're talking about culture, right? They, they were creating culture and were meaningful on that level. It's not the politics of food policy or anything. It's more that food has has a capital, if you will, that we're, we're trying to say it's it's a part of everyday life yeah. and it's art mm-hmm. as yeah. well. So it's, it's a kind of uh, exciting... Um, it's it's so accessible to mm-hmm. everybody. Well, I mean, it's an inherent part of culture. Right. I mean, it, it's it's so woven in that it can't be on thread. Right. You could see it as early installation art. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's creating an environment. It's yeah. creating an environment which takes on its own life. Yeah. What what was really interesting about the meringue diplomacy though too was uh as I know Karim cooking for Talleyrand um used cuisine as diplomacy as well and started kind of inoculating other societies with French cuisine. Uh, And it was like part of that ever expanding, you know, influence of French culinary tradition around the world. Um, So it was, it was, it was fascinating to hear the word diplomacy in there where it truly was. And it it was so much a part of politics. Yeah, I mean, he not only worked for Talleyrand, he worked for uh, George IV, the Tsar of Russia. He really got around. Yeah. <laughs> Although he loved France, and he always couldn't wait to get back to France. Yeah. But he, he and he was, he was kind of a huge rock star figure of his era. I mean, he was very, became very well known as a result of a great writer named Lady Morgan, <coughs> who's played by Carol Clements, who's a wonderful dancer also. And she stepped up when no one was actually writing about him because they were so busy enjoying the fruits of his labor. She actually wrote about him, and through her writings, his reputation was built on a much grander scale during his lifetime. Yeah. It's interesting. See, Yael, do you hope that the Umami Festival will sort of be like the Lady Morgan <laughs> of food and art. Yeah. Sure. And, and all those pretty dresses she yeah. wore, too. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my main incentive. Yeah. Right. Um, who were some of the first artists you had at the festival, and what kind of medium did they work in? So uh, some of the first were uh, the, the artist I mentioned before, Fast Forward, was a composer, and he's actually going to do a little... Um, a kind of small live music for us at the gala as well um, on Monday. So that'll be a lot of fun to, since Terry's film has all this experimental music in it, and here we get a chance to have a little bit of a live experimental music as well to accompany that. So he was definitely one of the first um, we've had. We also had Mimi Oka and Doug Fitch. Um, They uh, call themselves sustenance artists, 
and they did something uh, called Orphic Memory Sausage for us, which was um, a lot of fun uh, and, and a, an edited version of um, a video of that work will be on our website. Can, uh, can you can you say that again? Uh, Orphic Memory Sausage. Yeah, they yeah. actually had people bring in souvenirs to the venue different things they wanted to um, um, preserve in sausage form. <laughs> and then they went, uh, went ahead and had the audience join them in pulverizing and mushing. And it was fabulous. And Cacophony. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, they stuffed it into sausage skins. It was a communal, one of these communal cooking projects. And then they signed the sausages and people could take them home if they wanted to. Um, though not to eat, of course. But <laughs> Souvenir to hold and cherish. Yeah. So that was that was a very unique project, which you know I loved. Um, those are a couple of examples. We had um, Miwa. It's just such a unique piece. Uh, yeah, what, how do you pronounce her last name? That's it. Miwa Koizumi. She's uh, the New York uh, ice cream flavors. Was lovely. So she actually made um, flavors that taste of a neighborhood. As ice cream. So <laughs> she did the Lower East Side, and there was um, a beet and dill and sour cream ice cream, I believe, and then um, uh, also a bagel and cream cheese and lox ice cream. And, they, you know, they, it's not like just weird versions of them. You really tasted those flavors as ice cream, and you suddenly had this taste sensation about that neighborhood. Yeah. So it was really cool. Oh, that's, I wonder what Brooklyn would be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Roberta's. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting back to a yeah, little bit. Was, um, yeah, getting back to a little bit about what you were talking about in terms of uh, new music and fast forward. I've been really lucky in this project to work with a, a team of new music composers, and they've all produced amazing bodies of work. Um, David Behrman, Shock Bekar, John Gibson, Barbara Held, John King, Leticia Tsunami, and the interesting thing about their work is that. Uh, I call this a fictional documentary, an experimental documentary. And their music is able to add a whole other level of nuance of communication to, to lead, the thrower through the, lead the viewer through the story and give them a whole other level of information that they wouldn't have with more ordinary music. Yeah. So you know, I'm I really happy about that. I always find it fascinating going to a restaurant and hearing the music, and that's supposed to set the ambiance, but the majority for a long time prior to iPods was Muzak, you know? Exactly. And yeah. The, talk about standardizing a dining experience, and yeah. it was just like this... Yeah. White noise, this fodder that didn't really yeah. mean anything and wasn't relevant to the setting itself. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Th that music is so, or sound is so intertwined to food that there are so many senses outside of taste that uh, can yeah. influence food and art. Is a, uh, you know, the fact yeah. that it's almost gone un, you know, discovered or yeah, exactly, exactly. And and it's so nice to be able to work with composers who have a real strong intellectual viewpoint and I'm really lucky because my background is in video and what they do in music nicely complements the images that I put together so it, it it works together they're not fighting each other they're not taking turns they're actually working together to get the the storyline cool we're gonna actually take a quick little break um, if you don't mind holding on to the line so we can chat more about uh, some of 
you know, the artists participating in uh, this year's event, as well as chefs that have uh, participated in the past. Um, yeah. We're lucky enough to have an excerpt from uh, Terry Hanlon's Meringue Diplomacy. It's uh, a piece by John King from the All Steel album, performed by Ethel. Excellent. That was an excerpt from Terry Hanlon's Meringue Diplomacy, uh, a piece by John King from the All Steel album, performed by Ethel. And, um, Available on Static Records. On Static Records. <laughs> yeah. Um, sneak peek uh, of the movie available at the Umami Festival Gala on Monday. Um, that was part of your gluttony scene. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That was actually an illustration of the Congress of Vienna. Yeah, which which I kind of went over over the top with. I don't want to give too much away, but <laughs> it has a lot to do about the uh, avarice and greed of politics and national conventions. <laughs> I was about to say it sounds like my stomach when I eat dairy when I don't take a lactate pill. So, <laughs> hence gluttony. Um, <laughs> excellent. Now, Yale. I, I want to talk about a couple of the other participators in this year's festival because you had mentioned that you have a couple chefs involved too. Uh, yes, um, uh, actually, it's nice to hear Terry talk about collaboration because that's the whole idea. As, as Amy has mentioned, the idea of bringing people together from different fields, and we've been very lucky to have wonderful chefs and organizations collaborate with us. So we've had events with Gastronomica magazine, for example. We had a food fashion event uh, with them in the last festival, and we worked with the James Beard Foundation on the other side, you know, bringing in the sort of professional chef side. And we had a wonderful event there with um, an artist called Anne Borsato who did a mushroom identification and tasting uh, event. Yeah. And she worked with a chef, uh, with Chef Chewy. Um, he was at the time with Macau Trading Company, but I think he's moved on since then, um, who created this fabulous um, five-course mushroom-themed dinner. And it was really nice to see the two play off each other. And in the gala, now we have um, Sam Mason uh, creating these desserts that are inspired by sort of uh, Terry's take on Karen, if you will. Uh, and we have a young chef, um, here at the side, who's creating these hors d'oeuvres. Again, these very, um, these experimental cuisine, if you will, creations uh, that are such an interesting thing to see in contrast to Karen's uh, more traditional creations. So we really have these people coming in from different, um, um, you know, attacking the same uh, subject from different sides. Yeah. Um, Amy, like, how often do you try to find chefs to pair with artists, or do you kind of like keeping those two 
things separate. No, it's, it's a constant, you know, keeping lists yeah. of people. We're keeping lists of people out here. So, yeah, I, and, you know, whenever we stumble upon somebody doing something interesting, there's a slurry of emails back and forth between the Umami Festival yeah. staff. It's like, ooh, did you see this? Have you seen that? And, Excellent. What local so. chefs have you put on your list for hopefuls of future years? Yeah, Al, you want to answer that one? <laughs> well, we work uh, with the Experimental Cuisine Collective, right. so there's definitely that whole group of chefs that do, like Will Goldfarb or Sam Mason, that do sort of, uh, you know, what's known as experimental cuisine. And we've had Dave Arnold from uh, French Culinary Institute. Uh, these guys that also, you know, they do stuff with vacuum machines and foams and all that, and it's a lot of fun. But on the other hand, we have chefs that do very traditional stuff, um, um, you know, and, and and treat the idea of food and art, you know, come to it from a whole other, um, you know, with a different approach. It doesn't have to be the sophisticated food. It could be, you know, like sausage making. It could be yeah. very simple. We also um, have each festival, and we'll uh, continue in 2012, um, uh, uh, we call it the Cooking Arts Challenge, and we pair culinary students and art students together and have them collaborate and so they're, you know, two groups of young people being trained in very different ways, and they they kind of push each other yeah. to think in new ways, which is Do you is think they exciting. find it fascinating how tactile both fields are when they start collaborating? Yeah, suddenly they see connections, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's great to watch them light up and realize, hey, this is not so different what either of us are doing. And yeah. it's about the performance of the moment and the experience and, and how your memory adds to your experience and you know there's total overlap yeah it's it's funny to think about the progression of like molecular gastronomy and modern cuisine and uh we were just talking about uh nathan mervald who just put out the modernist cuisine cookbooks right uh, right before the show yeah Yeah. what was that yeah no problem but we were talking about um this Cuisine almost, well, I was at least saying that sometimes this cuisine is far-reaching and unattainable for a common thread of people. Um, Do people ever walk into the Umami Festival and see these performance pieces and just don't get them and feel they're so out there and far, you know, past what they're used to? Or That could be a great compliment. Yeah. It's a wonderful question because that's actually part of our mission is really this idea of using food to show people that performance art can be something very accessible and that can really speak to anybody. It doesn't have to be this kind of art for the chosen few. And I think the same goes for certain types of food. You know, it could be flipped around. Um, That food could be fun without being, um, you know, something precious and very, very expensive. It could be, you know... uh, it, it works sort of both ways, and part of our idea is, is actually something we're actively working on is to to make sure that it does not um, remain this thing that's only for a very exclusive audience, but it remains very accessible. Um, and, and that's something we actually think about constantly, and, and it's, a, it's a struggle sometimes. <laughs> yeah. We, we uh, in, in various events, uh, sometimes we'll have tastings, and a lot of times it's just very common things. It's, it's just bringing, or, or in the last cooking challenge with the students, uh, the, you know, the Iron Chef's Prize thing yeah. was pasta. I mean, it's something very simple. Um, it's not all high-end, either as art 
or as food. Yeah. So, what have been some of the more successful pieces that you've presented during the festival? You, you know, one of the things, both with food and the kind of art that we're mostly promoting, is it's ephemeral. It's time based. So. You know, each piece was so fascinating at that moment, and now what's left is the memories yeah. and a couple of photographs. Yeah. So, um, and and that is also a part of our mission. We're very interested in that. I mean, we we do do some visual art. We've had the book thing. We we invite video and and film, so those stay. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of the work is about that ephemeral. It's it's that moment. Yeah. So. so it must be hard to kind of predict 2012 who you're hoping oh. or who will be in that festival. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're it, just... we'll, we'll start discussion very soon about what the overriding theme in a way is of that festival. Um, uh, in the last one, um, a lot of the work took us out into the city of New York. There was um, bread baking piece and a sourdough exchange there was these mushroom foraging walks so it was really kind of see using the whole city as a way to um understand you know art food the city um it's part of a larger system so we also had a a a gardening urban garden workshop round table with artists and gardeners coming together so that that was that became on some level the theme of 2010 we don't know yet what 2012 is so yeah um we do um I welcome email inquiries and uh, encourage any artists who are interested in this uh, in in perhaps participating to check our website and there will be open calls for work as well as curated work in the next festival. So. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I know you're not having a full out festival this year, but you are having your gala event. Um, mm-hmm. If you were to have a festival this year, what do you think were uh, could have been some of the overriding themes of today? Um, well, I think the, the theme that Amy mentioned with the gardens, it started in our previous festival, is still going strong. The idea of urban gardening is something that we've, we haven't done a full project with. We've done more kind of discussion on. I would, love, I would have loved to develop that and get some artists to actually work uh, with the idea of urban gardening to do some more work. I think that was something we haven't... Uh, heard the last of, um, and uh, and I also really like the idea of uh, we had some stuff that is very. I, I guess you could say they were sort of once removed from reality. It, it was very close to real life. It was just a slight change, uh, like the um, mushroom forage that instead of taking place in the forest took place in Chinatown markets, mm. and those to me are really fascinating performances because it's so close to life it's just like a little twist and all of a sudden makes you see something in a whole new light so those are some of my favorites excellent um now this isn't a question just about the festival itself but about food art in general what food artists out there you know food slash art artists out there uh do you think are influential in both food and art today? Or are there any? Wow. Yeah. Well, Well, you know, the interesting... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one thing, that um, I think because certain chefs today 
uh, are doing certain work. Uh, you know, the most prominent one is obviously Farhan Adria, um, Greg uh, Ackett in, in Chicago. Those guys are doing food that sort of is, is kind of, is, is um, recognized as art, if you will. Uh, and I think their work has really made an impact on artists that work with food because it pushed them to do new things. Mimioka and Doug Fitch, for example, that I've mentioned before, used to do these very theatrical kind of feasts. And they sh- now they sort of moved away from that because they feel that chefs and restaurants today <laughs> offer a similar experience. And so they as artists have moved to explore new things uh, on you know, maybe at the production at production end of things, maybe communal cooking, well, uh, different uh, things. So yeah. in, in a way, those chefs really influenced the work of artists who use food as a medium. There's also this whole kind of social practice. Um, so the artist Tat Futan, for example, who's um, out there pushing... Um, baby carriages with vegetables growing in mm-hmm. it and talking about food with people doing color charts of vegetables and making just um, nutrition issues and food accessibility into art. Um, and then there's this huge, uh, you know, the DIY, do-it-yourself movement. So everybody's suddenly pickling. And then once you are pickling, then you start also pickling objects and pickling memory, and it, it starts becoming a piece, uh, and more an art piece, and there's all sorts of people doing that kind of work. Yeah. So, uh, Terry, I mean, did you draw off any other food artists when uh, making your marine diplomacy? I think what happened to me is... Um, my father took me to a restaurant when I was six, and I saw a pastry cart. <laughs> yeah. And I was blown away because it was, you know, the uh, traditional French pastries. And I think at that moment, I, that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to have a sculpture career. And then I found out about Karim, who made constructions, which were these gorgeous architectonic shapes. So it was a direct line for me. Yeah. So that's really the pastry cart. And those... <laughs> Those forms were, were my main inspiration, I think. Yeah. I mean, speaking of performance art, uh, I think there was that point when I first found the Italian Futurist cookbook. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Um, right. Martinelli, Tommaso, Sant'Elia. And this was a movement that happened in the 1920s in Italy where they pushed against pasta and tried to make food fun again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it blew me away that I could straddle the line of both food and art. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and not yeah. just... You know, think one or the other. That mm-hmm. there was this symbiosis that happens, um, and I'm glad to see that it, it's becoming aware and relevant again. One of the really terrific things about the Umami Festival is that there's all these people who have been straddling these two worlds for many years and we're all just so happy to have found each other and finally have a voice and we're, yeah. we're out there doing this and it's such a celebration it's really a, a, yeah. a great addition to new york so and it's an exciting thing um to have 2012 you know looming, <laughs> looming in our sights but yes. if you're around this monday well it's next monday right the, the next... 20, 28th is that oh, yeah monday? yeah yeah, this coming Monday. Yeah, this coming Monday. Yeah. Coming Monday. Yeah. Oh, goodness, we got to get busy. <laughs> March flies. Um, <laughs> and also, I'd like to mention that it's um, also, this is going to be the sneak preview, and it's going to be premiered at the Alliance Francaise on oh, April excellent. 13th, yeah. which is another dream launching locale for yeah. me. Yeah, and it's goodies delightful. there, too, I'm sure. <laughs> It'll be great. Um, March, Monday, March 28th, at the Astor Center, 7 right. and 9 p.m. You can find out more information 
at umamifestival2010.com or through Facebook. Become a friend of Umami Food and Art Festival because you got 2012 to look forward to. And if you are a food artist um, or someone just interested in these ideas and movements, please do contact. The more people, the better. Show your support. Stop by the gala. Email. Be involved. Make some food art. Thank you, Yale, for calling in. Um, Amy, Thank you very much, Michael. Terry, for being here. Yeah, thanks. Um, definitely check out the Umami Food and Art Festival 2010.com. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. And also, MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Check it out. MOFAD.com. M-O-F. I think I'm spelling that right. Sorry, Dave, if I screwed it up. And Jack Ensley, executive producer. Hope to have you back here Tuesday, 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. The following is a public service announcement from Beer Sessions Radio. Beyond the human and environmental casualties of the triple threat disaster in Japan, there will likely also be losses to our collective food culture, from miso and sake makers to outstanding fisheries. With help from the New York State Brewers Association, the Good Beer Seal, Beer Sessions Radio, and craft breweries alike, Jimmy Carboni is hoping to raise funds that will go directly to Hitachino, an excellent Japanese brewery, through a benefit at Brooklyn Brewery next Monday, March 28th from 7 to 10 p.m. In addition to beer, there'll be food from the Meat Hook, Jimmy's Number 43, Waterfront Ale House, and a few local Japanese restaurants. All money raised will go to Kiyuchi Brewery and Hitachino Beers, which they will distribute via humanitarian aid locally. To date, the brewery, which lost 500 bottles in the earthquake and suffered some damage to its physical plant, is filtering and bottling water for its community and providing them with food. You can read a letter about the quake's aftermath to Jimmy from Toshiyuki Kyuchi, the brewery owner, on his site. And you can buy tickets to the benefit on brownpapertickets.com backslash event backslash 166978. That's brownpapertickets.com slash event slash 166978. The following is a public service announcement from the Museum of Food and Drink. Dave Arnold and Patrick Martins have gathered a team of New York's most innovative chefs and bartenders to create a nine-course fundraiser lunch at Del Posto, Sunday, March 27th. Their intent? To kickstart the greatest food museum in the world. The menu for this unprecedented event is derived from educational themes of the museum. Chefs will draw inspiration from sources outside their normal sphere. How will a cutting-edge chef handle the Paleolithic, or a dish only using pre-Columbian ingredients? What will a modern Italian chef do with ancient Rome? The chefs include David Chang of Omofuku, Wiley Dufresne of WD-50, Mark Ladner of Del Posto, Nils Noren of the French Culinary Institute, Cesare Casella of Salumeria Rossi, Carlo Maracci of Roberta's, Brooks Headley of Del Posto, and Christina Tozzi of Momofuku Milk Bar. Bartenders include Audrey Sanders of Pegu Club, Thomas Waugh of Death & Company, Simon Ford of Pernod Ricard, Damon Bolte of Prime Meats, and Eben Clem of BR Guest Restaurants. 
Proceeds from the event will directly support the Museum of Food and Drink. Tickets are very limited and $250 per person. To purchase tickets, please visit mofad.eventbrite.com. That's M-O-F-A-D dot eventbrite.com. Once again, M-O-F-A-D dot E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com. Sponsored by Pernod Ricard, Heritage Foods USA, Pat Lafrida Meats, Barterhouse Wines, Del Posto Restaurant.